loves, welcome back to Strip Down. So excited for today's guest. I have an incredible woman and mama and internationally board certified lactation consultant on my podcast today. She recently sent me her incredible book, The Smart Parents Guide to Breastfeeding. And I'm literally real life here nursing Arlie Jo. If you guys hear the uh, uh, heavy breathing, she's nursing <laughs> away. Um, and so um, it's just so fitting that we will be talking all things breastfeeding today. But I have the amazing Jennifer Ritchie. Like I said, she's an internationally board certified lactation consultant. She's spent more than a decade helping countless parents navigate breastfeeding challenges, including latching difficulties, painful nursing, low milk reproduction, inadequate weight gain, induced lactation. And she's worked with some of the biggest name celebrities that you guys can imagine and has an on-location consultant in addition to, like I said, ha um, having her book. And in authoring, I make milk, what's your superpower, and bringing home baby as a new parent's guide to breastfeeding. So she's committed to providing community-based long-term support to breastfeeding mamas. Richie's insights and approach empower thousands of new and expecting moms to embrace their joys and challenges of motherhood. So I'm just so excited to have Jennifer on today because I am literally in the thick of the second round of breastfeeding. So Jennifer, welcome to my show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. So I just want to like get like, I want to dive right in. I want to get let's go. Back into this. Okay. <laughs> First off, I love your book. I just like love the pink cover. I love, you know, the illustration. Like, it's just, it's so great. It makes you like not look at the book and go, oh, this is what breastfeeding is. Like, it's more happy. It's way more like, you know, upbeat. It's more happy. real. Yes. It's more real. Like, it's just, it's really cute. And I love also on the back, that like it literally the first thing it says is breastfeeding can be harder than you think because <laughs> how come like nobody wants to tell you that like nobody wants to say oh this is I hard see. well <laughs> we spend so much time when we're pregnant like prepping for bringing the baby home and we don't even think about it I mean we just think it's going to be super easy and piece of cake and I'll, I'll like think about it when it happens and then you get home and it's like that's when the you know the fun, the the fun again. yeah I know <laughs> I mean like when Amelia, my first, I was like, I was just losing my mind. Like, first off, she like didn't latch. And I was just like, wait, what? Like, this is a thing. And then my milk hadn't dropped because I had an infectious C-section. And like, yep. sometimes that can happen. And just all these things that like, nobody told me. Enough, I had yep. no idea like what to do. And I was just like, felt like I was failing on day one. And was like, um, there's gotta be an easier way. And I just love that like, you're all about empowering mamas and giving them the tools like right off the bat before they even start breastfeeding so before we kind of get into your amazing book and like have you tell us the experience of being a specialist and everything what made you get into this like give us a scoop on you so I grew up in the entertainment industry. I mean, I grew up on the island of Oahu because my dad worked on Magnum PI and Hawaii Five O. like that was gonna be what I did so cool. and ha um, having a baby just changed everything. I mean, I, the, there's no other better way to describe it, but I mean, the talk about priority shift. And I know I've been reading about you and kind of the minimalist uh, approach that you took. It's just, it's amazing how one action just creates this snowball effect. And for some reason, I just absolutely totally fell in love with breastfeeding and didn't want women to go through what I went through because I felt like this totally independent, like successful woman. 
you know, nothing's going to change. I'm going to have this kid and everything's going to be fine. And next thing you know, I'm isolated, not getting out of my pajamas for six weeks, having all these problems. And I didn't feel like I had anyone to talk to. Yeah. And I think that's just like so common for so many moms, especially new moms who are like, oh my God, already motherhood is so crazy. And you feel like, what is this? And then after you go through the like, what is this? And you're trying to like figure out how to just even handle having a new baby. Then you're like, oh my God. And I have to feed it too. And like, why is this so difficult? Like this is supposed to just be something that's natural. And I think that like so many times, so many of us like read and hear that like it's natural and it is obviously in the sense that it comes from you, but the whole process of it is not so natural. No. And I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but the reality is like, we're, we're kind you know, healthcare, we're a package price. So if you are having a baby, you, you know, the OB makes a certain amount of money for you to have that baby. So you go often and you develop this relationship. And once you have a baby, then they don't make any more money. You see them at six weeks and then you're kind of passed off to the pediatrician. So you're in this limbo state of who am I going to go to for help? I'm not with my OB anymore. And they're, they were taking care of me. Now it's all about the baby and I'm supposed to be feeding the baby, but there's no one here to support me. So it's this like horrible time for a lot of new moms and we just, no one's out there talking about it. Right. It's, it's so true. And I love that you said that because I think that, you know, so many times, like we think that like, we're going to have all this support. And then when we're in it, we're like, Oh, not so much. And I appreciate that you were real about that, especially as a, you know, lactation specialist and everything, because that's how I felt. It was like, you know, I called my, so I had a midwife, thank God, my first daughter, even though my birth didn't go the way I wanted to go. And it wasn't the natural tough birth I wanted and all that, but I did have the support of her. So when things did come up, I was able to lean on her. She introduced me to an incredible lactation team who I still work with to this day. And they were just phenomenal and came right to my side, Goldilocks, like they're amazing. And they came right to my side and took care of me and, you know, helped me walk through all the ups and downs and navigate it and all the questions I had through it. But I'll never forget, like when I went in for my six week postpartum checkup and everything with my doctor who had done the C-section, like, you know, he asked me how I was feeling And I told him, you know, I was having trouble with breastfeeding and, you know, I was having trouble with just feeling like anything like myself because of the C-section and having trouble with moving and just so many things that I didn't expect to have, you know, occur with me. And it was just very much like, oh, well, you look good. C-section scar looks great. You're healing. And it's like, okay, that's great. I'm glad that on the outside, I look good, but the inside (laughs) of me is like a disaster. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like... I appreciate that you say like, it really is like they get paid and then they do everything they're supposed to do when they get paid and then they're out. And there's no like in between of like, Hey, maybe you need some more support. Here's how we do this. And like, that's why, you know, your job exists. Yep. Absolutely. And, and the tough part is too, is that you know, a lot of people don't realize that when you have a baby, there's this huge hormonal shift. So oxytocin, it's, you know, the love hormone, but it also creates this really heightened sense of alertness. So, you know, I, I went from a girl in her 20s that could, you know, sleep until noon, no problem, to overnight being up every three hours, like, you know, a, a mom defending her cub. 
Yeah. And everything that everyone told me, it, I was like super hyper-focused, like, okay, okay, I need to do this. And the problem was, it's like, no one told me how long to do something, why we were doing it. And I, I, felt, I felt like I kept just hearing the word normal. That's normal. That's normal. And so I was left with what I was left with. I mean, my kids are now 12 and 15. So the internet wasn't as big as it is now. Now, when I go online, there's just so much information and opinions and not a lot of evidence-based information. And it's like, I just feel like I need to be out there telling moms what's important based on the clinical research, like cut through all of the, you know, BS that's out there and all the myths. And it's like, if you only have a certain amount of time, or if this is what you want to do, how are you going to do it? What's the best way to do it? And what's the best for your baby in terms of development? Because there's just so many questions. Right. Well, and I love that you said, like, there's so many opinions, because there are so many opinions Mm -hmm. between Facebook groups and the internet and this and that and the apps and everything. And it's like, whoa, information overload, opinion overload, just help me. I don't want to feel like I'm drowning more than I already am. Um, Back, you know, 15 years ago, a neighbor found out that I was sleeping in, in co-sleeping with my daughter and literally showed up at my door with a book about, you know, how I was going to cause brain damage. I don't even know what it was, but it, she felt the need to like connect in that way. Wow. It was intense. I can't even imagine what it would be like to have a baby with social media right now. I, I cannot even imagine because of the hormones, they make you crazy. And we, we don't talk about that, but every female mammal on the planet, when they deliver a baby, they stop bathing. This is not just a mom human thing. This is a mom mammal thing. Like we all go through this process and, you know, being isolated too now with, especially with COVID, you know, it'd be great for moms to get together, but I'm sure, you know, there's no breastfeeding support groups right now. It's like, I think moms more than ever are now turning to the internet and it can just really make everything more stressful. And so that's how I want to help is take away all the opinions, all the judgments. I've helped moms all over the world, every race, color, creed, religion, sexual orientation, you name it. And it's all about doing what's best for the baby because that's the most important thing. Yes. And I love that you said that of just like helping moms and like also just being a support and like not inserting yourself. Like how dare that neighbor just be like, Hey, like this is how we're going to potentially bond or share. And I'm just going to like insert my opinion. It's like, I'm all for people sharing and letting me know like, Hey, this worked or that didn't work for me or whatever. That's, I always tell them too. And they come to me on social media and message me and they're like, Hey, tell me about this. I'm like, listen, this is what worked for me. This is what I love. This is what I was into. But like, that does not mean by any means it has to work for you or it's going to be part of your story. Cause like, that's why there are so many different brands and different, you know, people and things like that work for each of us. Cause obviously everyone loves, you know, different flavor, different personality, like whatever it might be. And I think that like with breastfeeding, it goes so much further than that. Like it has to feel comfortable. You have to feel supported. It has to be like, your type of learning, like there is so much to breastfeeding that's just not discussed. 
Absolutely. And it's that removing that fear of failure, because that's the hardest part is if one thing goes wrong, you know, moms feel like a complete failure, like everything topples. And, you know, there are going to be challenges. And I feel like if we kind of talked about it more and said, this is going to be tough, you know, the first two weeks, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. You know, I wish they came in to the hospital room after I delivered and was like with a, uh, a soldier cap on, like get ready for boot camp, you know, <laughs> cause I wouldn't have gone home and, and said, Oh my gosh, this is not, you know, my baby's not sleeping like they were in the hospital and like what's happening. It, I think it's a total mind shift change that we need to make. It's like, this is going to be difficult, but all, you know, good things are difficult. It's just like starting a new job. I mean, you can't walk into a new job and automatically start, you know, nailing everything. It takes so time true. and it takes some practice. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, that is so true. And there's just so much to it. Like you said, when you get home, like you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Why all of a sudden is my baby so crazy? Like, why does this feel like an out of body experience? And it does. And then you don't realize like so much of it also goes back to the fact that you are in this new world of breastfeeding and like it is like kind of going to war in a sense and like being like I don't know what I'm doing and I'm just thrown into this and a lot of times you can in a way blame breastfeeding as well you know I mean there's things that can happen like the colic of food protein intolerance those symptoms don't show up till the baby's about three weeks old so a mom can be just sailing along going, this is a piece of cake. And then at three weeks, all of a sudden their baby starts screaming for six hours straight. Like it's so tough to, you know, figure out what's going on. Like you said, when you don't have, you were so lucky to have a midwife. I mean, in Europe, that's standard practice here. It's a little bit different, but if you don't have the proper person to reach out and get the information, that's when people start really, you know, really being hard on themselves in addition to searching. Right. Exactly. Well, and that's where I feel like, even though it was so, you know, discouraging and so upsetting for my birth to not go the way I wanted it to the first time with Amelia, I was grateful that I did have a midwife and I was grateful I did have that doula with a midwife that was able to support me and link me with a great lactation team and give me good advice and things that I just wouldn't have had. And at least I had that. Then when I did give birth in the hospital and had my V back with my second daughter, Arlie, I knew already kind of what to look for in a sense. And I knew like, you know, if I needed help with breastfeeding, I had my lactation team and I didn't feel so alone and like just scared and shitless. Like, oh my God, like, what is this? Totally. And so if you want to know, I can tell you what happened the first time around too. Oh, if you sure, want to know, okay, yeah, so sure. this, is, this is like super exciting, but it happens so often that, uh, you know, and it's, again, it's something that's considered normal, but we don't really talk about it. So, so you said the first baby you labored a long time. Did they put you on like Pitocin to Oh to yeah. I was, okay. So I, long story short, I, I labored um, at the birth center because like I said, I wanted to have a natural tub birth. And so I labored there for 30 hours and Amelia got to about six centimeters and just like wasn't ascending. She wasn't progressing. And so my midwife was like, okay, I no longer feel comfortable being here. We need to go get intervention. So obviously that meant the hospital, went to the hospital, 
and they checked me and I think God, everything was fine. I was not in any kind of emergency. I just like, wasn't further progressing. So they were like, okay, we're going to put you on Pitocin to further push the baby and get her to hopefully do what we need her to do. And then because the Pitocin was so intense, I think they said it was like a yeah. 15, like the highest. I was just could not take it. I went from being, you know, natural and super like feeling the pain, but it was so different feeling the pain natural than it was feeling it on the heavy drugs oh, and yeah. being so forced. Um, and so I didn't handle that well at all. And so I needed to get on epidural, but then the epidural felt super high to me and I felt like totally numbed and like, I wasn't just, you know, getting yep. any kind of relief any which way. I was just kind of like sitting there like, what is this? I think I feel a contraction, but I also can't feel anything. And like the pain is intense, but then I can't feel the pain. It was, it was such a weird experience in that sense, um, in the mix of the drugs. And so, yeah, I labored for 12 more hours. And then after I hit 42 hours, it was time to make a decision. And I made the, you know, I made the hard call with my husband to decide to do a C-section because, you know, things just weren't progressing the way we thought they were going to. Yeah. No, but, and that, this is so, this is such a common story. So, okay. So the brain controls milk supply. It also controls birth. There's a lot of similar hormones in terms of breastfeeding and delivering. So this is what happened to you. So oxytocin, it's it's the love hormone. It's the hormone that uh, allows you to have an orgasm, deliver a baby, how the milk is ejected. Oxytocin is the only hormone in the body that you control with your brain. So there are women, for example, that with a breast pump, when you put a machine on, it stimulates and the milk comes down. There's women that put a pump on and they cannot get milk out because they're controlling the oxytocin with their brain. So for years, I mean, it was like a running joke. If I had a patient that couldn't let down to a pump, I would say, are you a lawyer? And they would, 99% of the time, they would say yes. Wow. It seems like definitely like a, a certain type of uh, person that can really control the oxytocin. So if you were laboring and things weren't progressing, when they give you Pitocin, that shuts off the natural oxytocin. And what happens is when they give you the Pitocin, they have to give you IV fluids. The IV fluids prevent you from having a heart attack. So it's super important. But the longer you're on the IV fluids, the more complications come later. So your oxytocin, you weren't progressing. They put you on the Pitocin, the IV fluids. Then you had the C-section. So you got a ton of IV fluids. So typically when you deliver a baby, it, you deliver the placenta, it causes this hormonal shift and you start with colostrum the first three days and then your milk increases in volume. So you go from like a teaspoon each feed to making 32 ounces of milk, uh, you know, in those three days, like it's a shift from the first stage of lactation to the second. So if you got a ton of IV fluids, you had something called third spacing. So I don't know if you remember, but your feet would have been swollen, your yes. hands, anything I'm pendulous. Super swollen. Okay. Like those, and for months. Really? Okay. So that shows how much fluid you got. So because the fluid was given to you intravenously, the only way to get it out of your body was to pee it out. 
there's no way a normal like edema if your feet are swollen you put your feet up and the swelling goes away not with iv fluids if you put your feet up the the water would just move up your legs the reason it affects lactation is it delays the transition from the first stage of lactation to the second stage it shuts off your milk like shutting off a hose so what happens is your milk doesn't come in when it should at day three it comes in more like day five your baby loses too much weight you know they need to flush out all that extra red blood cells they get jaundice and it's this crazy snowball effect that if someone would have told you from the very beginning all right you got tons of iv fluids you need to drink as much water or any fluid to pee as much as possible your milk would have come in earlier and it would have changed that so we know that by studying rats that you make more milk the more kids you have because you you've already set up that connection but your birth this time was seems like a lot easier so i have a question for you did your milk come in like gangbusters around day three yeah okay i love that you asked this question so and that's so interesting by the way on like the fluids and my feet because i even said to my husband and like my mom i was like my feet are still so swollen i can't fit in any of my shoes like i was getting so upset and I didn't understand and like yeah okay I know your body you know changes and like I gain weight and whatever but it was like everything else was starting to chill out and like that just still wasn't for some time so that just like makes so much more sense now yeah it this, was like, two and a half but you later. either had a choice either no IV fluids and potentially have a heart attack or get those IV fluids it's like of course you would have been like give me the IV fluids but right. it would have been so, so nice to for someone to like explain to you what was going on and that's the disconnect the disconnect is okay you were going through all this and they were focusing on the baby and what they needed to do but that again goes back to what what's happening with me and i'm so sorry i wish i knew you back then i would have been like eat a watermelon that's a great Seriously. way to like, oh my gosh well well if i decide to do this one more time i'll definitely be hitting you up but i mean like, that's so crazy and so good to know obviously for other mom like listening but it was just you know you saying that now with the second birth like so with arlie obviously like again when you know better you hopefully try to do better so like i knew i didn't want to see section if i didn't have to go that route. I wanted to try for vaginal birth. So I, you know, got a chiropractor early on. I really spoke to my birth community that I had really formed around me for my first daughter and just really started finding out the ways to just try the best I could to set myself up for it. And thank God I was so grateful, especially during a pandemic that I was still able to have my V back with Arlie. And yes, it was a much easier birth in the sense of the labor was very fast. Um, in the sense that like I went into labor at like 2.33 in the morning. I didn't even think it was real labor because I had had prodromal labor for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And my husband was not, you know, thinking I was actually going to go into labor. And he was like, oh, is this really real? Or is this just, you know, another thing where you think you're going to, and I was like, no, I think it's happening. You know, and he's like making fun of me as he's coming in, I'm laboring in the tub and I'm calling my doula, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and she's like, you know, and she's like, no, it sounds like they're picking up. So before I knew it, I went from like, you know, 11 minutes apart to 10 minutes apart, eight minutes apart, yeah. super apart like super fast. So that part was really quick. But then once we were there, I like went from like, I got there almost like active, like around five and a half, six centimeters. And then I went to like an eight really fast. And then he broke my water because I hadn't broken, even though I was in like massive 
contractions. And then yep. I went to a 10 and like complete, like really, really quick. But then the pushing, because I hadn't really done the pushing with Amelia, like in that sense was three and a half hours. And that was oh. a shit ton of work. And that was super intense. And like, I spiked a fever and like all these things. So it was, you know, of course there was still like a little bit of drama, but it was nowhere near what Amelia was. And then I did have a successful um, VBAC, but you know, like you said with the milk, she latched right from the minute they put her on me and yeah because your boobs weren't swollen from all the IV fluids okay got it so I couldn't crazy huh fast she like I mean I've heard stories about that but after especially experiencing such a hard time with the latching with Amelia like I didn't really believe that like a baby could just latch and so to see Arlie do it was like oh my gosh and then not only latch but like actually like nurse and I swear like even though my milk wasn't fully in I could still see something coming in whether it was a colostrum or just whatever fluid like it was she was getting it from the first hours and then literally I would say by day two day three max my milk was like really starting to come in it's like instant boob job yeah, that's so, it's so funny you said that my husband, he just walked in here a second ago because he heard me like, chatting Whoa. and he's like, and he said the same thing. He's like, it isn't like an instant boob job. <laughs> like, all of a sudden your boobs go from like normal, it's just this massive lift and it's like, whoa, you know? And yeah, I'm but like, we don't yeah. like them because they're all like veiny, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like, I know. Like, they're yeah. not cute boob job. Like they're veiny, <laughs> they're like super puffy they're like way up there you feel like they're like up by your chin you're like what is going on (laughs) okay so this is the coolest part okay so seriously I can't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday but I can remember (laughs) every detail of what happened when I gave birth just like you're telling me and that is the oxytocin isn't that just phenomenal it's like that heightened sense of alertness like you're giving me stats of centimeters and all of this you know and it didn't happen yesterday so that's truly the power of of the brain it's just so fascinating to me that you know we can forget so much especially with mommy brain but we can remember every detail of our birth story it's just crazy it is you're so right it's like you you do like i I couldn't even tell you what i ate an hour ago before I got on podcast, <laughs> but like somehow I can still recap all that. It's, it's, yeah, it's you're so like, true. it was 702 and I got, like, right. Oh, yeah. Really? I'm like, okay, I think at this time I, you know, I went to complete. Like, yeah, it's true. It's so, it's so wild, like how that does well, work. I love, and that's why I love breastfeeding so much because oxytocin, you know, this love hormone, this is what creates bonds. It, it actually creates like stable, loving, non-narcissistic human beings. And I think the world would be a lot better place if they were less of those types of people out there. And the oxytocin, the baby gets it from the milk and they get it from just you holding them and being with them. So in the very beginning, you're setting up your baby's oxytocin receptor sites. So I'm, I'm so fascinated, fascinated with like true crime and serial killers and because I, I can't quite understand how someone can murder someone and then go to work and be totally <laughs> fine. But because uh, if I like see a butterfly caught in a spider web, I'm like, oh my gosh, save it, save it. And it it's all goes back to what our moms did and 
the oxytocin receptor sites. So if you don't set up the receptor sites when they're an infant, they don't receive, they don't feel the oxytocin when they're older, if that makes sense. So there's more to breastfeeding than just the benefits and the nutrients. I mean, there's so many amazing things and the antibodies and but that's one of the things too that I really want to tell moms is if they can't breastfeed, you know, snuggle feed. And even the dads and the grandparents, like there's a whole way of feeding that I think we need to change, whether it's through bottle or breast or just snuggling with our babies helps set up those oxytocin receptor sites in their brains. And that's going to just really create a more balanced, loving human being in the future. I love that. I think that's such a good message. And I love that you said snuggle feed, because I think like so many moms feel like it has to be like you said, like either you're breastfeeding or that's it. There's no, there's no in between. And I think that for me, like one of the biggest reasons besides of course the nutrients and all the facts and evidence based from breastfeeding, but like the snuggling and the bonding, there's just nothing like it. Well, oxytocin is a painkiller, the equivalent of morphine. So if, if, your baby, if your baby's getting shots, I mean, anything, it's like, put them on the breast and you're both getting it. In the beginning, you really feel it. Like you, you know, sometimes when you latch a baby and feed in the beginning, you start like dozing off because it is really powerful. You kind of get used to that feeling, but um, yeah, oxytocin, I'm telling you, it's amazing. <laughs> wow. It's so powerful. And I, I love that you're sharing that because it's, it's so true. I mean, like, look, even my doula said that to me this time around, my doula Stacy, when I was like having drama labor and I kept being like, I think this is it. I think this is it. And she's like, okay, then you need to like lay down. You need to relax. You need to stop like making yourself pace and doing a million squats and like trying to go into labor, like just let your body do it. And that was like the best advice she could have given me because like, when everything was happening, I finally like let go in the moment yep. of like, please come, please come, please come. And I just let go. I, she literally came right at 42 weeks. Like we were right at the end. My doctor was like, okay, especially because you want to be back. We're inducing if she doesn't come the next day. Like I know you don't she want to. She was like to. nine pounds, right? Yeah. Nine pounds, three ounces and 20, almost 23 inches long, like 22 and three quarters, like long. <laughs> Like no joke. I mean, Amelia was eight pounds, seven ounces and 21 inches long. So like, she yeah, was but all- that's a C-section. You like, right. you, right. you are a freaking rock star. You like, oh, thank you. I wanted my so badly. And to your point with like the oxytocin, like I just like fought for it. And I just like stayed in that, that zone, like you said. And so like when, when I was getting so close to, you know, having her, like my doula was like, Allie, like the oxytocin is what you want. You need like the love hormone. Just let your body relax. Just let you feel it. I swear. No, it's true. It's the, like the, the, the lawyer patients that I've had that couldn't let down to a pump. I'd be like, just do me a favor. I'm like, promise me you're never going to go for a natural childbirth. If you can't get (laughs) milk out from a pump, promise me because you're going to end up in an ambulance being rushed to the hospital. Like it's just not going to happen, which is totally cool. Like, but just know that about yourself. And it's like, okay, I, I right, won't even go. Right. Like, just, just no, right. Totally. Well, and like, you know, when I went into labor, I swear, like the last things I did was like, I walked downstairs. Like I, I had to, I had just gone for like acupuncture um, for like, you know, labor inducing. My husband was doing acupressure on like my feet and my back and my hands at home. I was Seriously? starting to feel 
Yeah, seriously. Your husband is like amazing. I, I pulled out all the tricks. Like when it was like, hey, we're going to induction time. I was like, no, 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 no. We're gonna figure this out. Like, what can I do? And like, you know, my dual, my first, like, my first baby, my they had to tell me to stop pushing because my ex husband was across the street getting himself some food. Oh my god, I would have strangled him. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, no, my husband, he's really good like that. Like he's very hands on. He barely gets like grossed out. He's like a real dude's dude. You know what I mean? Like he like he just like gets in there, like does what he needs to do. And especially like obviously with the pandemic and being pregnant in quarantine, like my yeah. daughter came over, but she was doing mostly everything virtual. So she was telling him like these are the comfort measures, what you need to do. And he was a freaking rock star about like helping me the whole time while I was laboring and like keeping me like comfortable at the, you know, at the hospital and like helping me stay in like the mindset and everything. And I ended up getting a walking epidural because I needed something to take oh, yeah. the edge off. Once I got to like six or seven centimeters, I was having a really hard time and I could feel her coming down. And so like, I knew I was getting closer and I told my doctor, I was like, I don't want to be stuck in the bed. I need to be able to move. I know how this went for me last time, like you said with the fluids. So I just avoided Pitocin at all costs. And I just did a light walking epidural. And that was a game changer for me because I had enough to keep me in the zone and enough to feel what was going on, but not enough to feel like I was out of control and I couldn't feel anything and I didn't know what was happening. And I think that's what let me like power through. And like you said, with all the oxytocin of just like, staying in the moment of like, I'm laboring my baby down, like I'm gonna meet my baby, like all the the love feelings and all the things that like maybe I didn't think about or know how to process with my first birth. It was just such a game changer for me. So you're so right about the oxytocin drug. I don't know, it's, I mean, having a baby is, it's crazy. Like the fact that, you know, and that's, that's what I wanna tell all new moms. like. Honestly, if you keep up with your pediatrician appointments, your baby regains their birth weight at two weeks, like you're doing great. If all you can do is just brush your teeth, like you're doing great. Everything is fine. Like you grew a baby, you had a baby, like you are a rock star. I mean, every woman that has a baby, like, I don't know about you, but as soon as I did that, I was like, okay, I can do anything. Like, seriously. <laughs> all of a sudden in your mind you're like oh that doesn't seem so hard oh I can do this and it's like as much as you feel exhausted you still do go back to that and like check in with yourself and go I just freaking had a baby I do the same thing with myself when I get like you know worked up or overwhelmed which has been going on like so much lately I, I check back in with myself and I'm like hello I just achieved my v-back like I didn't I didn't think this was gonna happen I made it happen I can handle the rest of this shit I just gotta figure it out yeah and so I mean it and that's the thing too, is postpartum anxiety is just as common as postpartum depression, but no one's talking about that either. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, this is, I mean, talk about an anxiety ridden time right now. Like that is why I feel like it, giving moms the, the way to fix problems so that they don't have to track down their OB and like, because things can happen, you know, I mean, there's overgrowth of yeast, there's breast infections, there's stuff that can happen. And, you know, it's, it's figuring out how to fix it, not necessarily on your own. I mean, you're definitely still going to work with your doctor, but just being informed with information and not just an opinion, but like research, I think empowers us to take some control because right now, I mean, it's, it's just a really tough time to have a baby because doctors are not as accessible as they used to be.
No, it's so true. It's like everything's so virtual and telemed and this and that. It just doesn't feel necessarily as personal. Absolutely. It's a totally, totally different time. Totally. Well, and like you're giving so many good tips with breastfeeding, but I'm going to be selfish and I want to know because yeah. I'm like full blown the thick of it. Like, so okay. we are two, two months into exclusive breastfeeding. I have okay. not picked up a pump yet. And it's so crazy to me because with Amelia, like going back to what you were saying with the, you know, C-section and everything and not getting my milk. I was pumping like a fiend when we got home from the hospital. Like, please, please, please come in. She is screaming. Like, I'm trying to do the best I can with colostrum. Please, please, please. And so my milk didn't drop to like, I want to say 10 to 12 days in, but I was at least Oh getting, my gosh. Oh, yeah, it was intense. And she was screaming and it was like, yeah. it was like a scene out of a freaking, you know, like reality show. Like I'm crying. You know, my parents are running around in circles with their heads cut off. My in-laws are running around trying to figure out how to work the damn pump but I mean it was like a complete shit show of like trying to figure out like what to do my husband's running out to get formula just in case like just all the things he's calling the hospital and saying like hey we just discharged and my wife's having trouble you know what can we do and they literally were like oh you've been discharged sorry we can't help you like it was yeah totally oh my gosh I know I mean seriously I I feel like, I mean, maybe that's my biggest problem is that I feel so much and it's like those stories just make me want to cry because, and it's not just you. I mean, every single day for 11 years, I mean, I would hear the same story over and over and over and it's just figuring out. And and I wish, I just wish so so much that I could have met you back then and been like, just drink water and you're probably going to have to supplement and you're not a failure, but the once the baby's born, it's like the focus needs to be on the baby too. And if your milk's not coming in when it should, I mean, sometimes you do have to supplement with formula and these, these moms, like it devastates them. Like everything didn't turn out like I wanted, wanted it to. And it, it, forget it. You know, it's, it's right. all going to shit. Right. Exactly. And you do feel like that. And I, I feel like that too. Like I can't check any box. Like what the hell, what is this? And I like refused to get formula because I also was like, so afraid I had so many friends of mine who had had babies before me and they had given formula and then their milk wasn't coming in enough. And so they just gave up and gave formula completely and like nothing wrong with that. But like, I really wanted to breastfeed. I really wanted to nurse. And so I just like was not willing to supplement because she was getting, thank God, enough to get a weight gain. She was peeing and pooping. So she was safe. She was healthy. So to me, it was like, okay, she's gaining enough. The pediatrician says it's fine, but it was still such a struggle and it was so hard. And so I did have to pump like crazy. So then by the time my milk did come in, I was always engorged. I always had yep. clots. Oh my gosh. I was overly producing. Like it so was- now you have like post-traumatic stress from that. So now right. you're doing the opposite. Okay. So I'm so glad I talked to you. Oh my gosh. This is just phenomenal. So this is another thing that they don't tell us. So, so the, I'm so glad I, I talked to you right now. The first 12 weeks, babies are just involuntary reflexes. So this whole nipple confusion thing, it does not exist. If you put your finger on the roof of your baby's mouth or a pacifier or a bottle or the boob, the baby will start sucking. It's an involuntary reflex. After 12 weeks, that goes away. So we need you to start, if you want to do a bottle, you have to start doing the bottle before the baby is 12 weeks old or guess what? 
she won't take a bottle. So this happens all the time too, especially with this sort of situation where you pumped and you had a ton and you were engorged. And then the second baby, it's like, I want to avoid the pump, but this is what you need to do. And I promise you it's going to save you or else I'm going to get a phone call from you, you know, at when you have to go somewhere and be away and your baby won't take a bottle. Okay. So, okay. So it takes 22 muscles in the face to breastfeed. It takes one muscle to bottle feed. So it's, it's completely different. So the baby in terms of breastfeeding can more control the flow because they're using their tongue to create this vacuum seal. With a bottle, the bottle just automatically flows and the baby has to learn how to control it more, more or less you know, in a, a completely different way. So if you introduce a bottle before the baby's 12 weeks old, they learn how to do that. You automatically stimulate the suck reflex and they learn. So if you want a kid that takes the breast, takes the bottle, no big deal, go with the flow, I'll do whatever. You got to starting right. I would start as soon as you can pump once a day in replace of breastfeeding. And you take that milk and that milk's good, good sitting out on the counter room temperature for 10 hours. And you do one bottle a day and you can feed the bottle. It doesn't have to be somebody else. Your baby doesn't even use the side of the brain that can manipulate or say, I want this, or I prefer that. It doesn't exist that first 12 weeks. So use this time to, you know, pump in replace of breastfeeding. That'll prevent you from getting engorged or you're just taking that milk out and you're feeding the milk to the baby in the bottle so that they get used to the bottle and then they won't refuse it after the 12 weeks. Mm, I mean, I had a, and nipples are so different. Baby's mouths are so different. You know, you never know if your baby's in utero sucking their thumb and they have a high palate. I mean, you just don't know. So if you start introducing a bottle and for some reason the baby doesn't take the bottle, it's not, a preference thing it's just the nipple okay say you bought one that you wanted more like the breast and it's more circular and the nipples like small it's just it's a simple fact it's just not hitting the suck reflex so you switch nipples and you find one that that does so this is a great time it's like nature gave us three months to kind of like make mistakes and and try things out before the baby changes and becomes like an individual person. So 12 weeks, you'll see the reflexes. If you, this, you know, with a startle reflex, if you lay her down, uh, there's the step reflex. If you hold the baby up, they actually step like they're walking. These are all reflexes that go away, but they're all there the first 12 weeks. Oh, so interesting. So, okay, so, yeah. okay, so basically only, I would only have to pump once a day just to basically remove one feeding yeah exactly and then, by, and then and then do you pump on both sides or like yes. how do you navigate that so you know the the problems with plug ducts and mastitis all that happens from insufficient milk removal so depending and in my book i ha- i break it down by the weight of the baby but you know Bottom line is once a baby hits 12 pounds, they need 32 ounces of milk every 24 hours. That'd be four ounces eight times a day. 
they eat eight times a day, you know, really for a long time. Um, cause you know, their tummies are small and breast milk's 90% water. So, um, depending on the baby's weight, you know, I mean, typically you should be able to pump both and get about four ounces, depending on the time of the day, it'll be more or it'll be less. Um, cause the milk, you know, you make the most amount of milk when you're sleeping. Right. You get a surge of, of prolactin when you sleep. So you wake up like, woo, you know, really full. Um, so depending on what time of the day that you pump, but again, you know, the, the pumps that you buy, you get these like six ounce bottles and you're, you're like, oh, I should be able to fill these both up. No, one breast always makes more than the other, sometimes twice as much. Um, and a, and a good milk supply, what the baby needs is, is four ounces. So if you pump from both breasts and get three ounces from one and one from the other, like you have a great milk supply. Ah, okay. Okay. So, because yeah, that's why I haven't started pumping because since she's been exclusively nursing and has been so good and like, yeah, of course, exhausting and she's clustering because I know like that's her telling my boobs make more. And I learned all that from like the first child and all that. And so I've been navigating that. Okay. As exhausting as that can be. But, but overall, like she sleeps well, like right now she's sleeping on my chest. She just nursed while we were podcasting and she's now asleep on my chest because she's full. So like, I guess my concern. So take the time of the day when when she's cluster feeding, because that's going to be the most exhausting for you. So it's like let's use this to your advantage. The times that she's cluster feeding, which is probably when your supply is the lowest, which is like afternoon evening, you know, pump in replace of a feed and feed her that milk in a bottle because a baby never fully empties the breast. The pump's a machine. It does. So you're going to get more milk out with the pump than the baby would. So if she's cluster feeding, then I would take that time of the day when it's the most stressful for you, take that feed, pump and replace the breastfeeding and feed her that milk in a bottle. And you're going to see like a total shift in, in, in her behavior. Oh. And then how long should I pump? Never more than 15 minutes. Never more than 15 minutes. And yeah. So you're going to have like two letdowns. Um, that's typical when you're pumping is to have a milk ejection reflex, milk will come out, it stops, and then you'll have another one. So depending on the pump that you have, what causes a milk ejection reflex is fast, like stimulation. So like the Medela pumps have a little button on it and it's got a little, it looks like a little droplet of milk. So that's the stimulation phase. So a medulla pump, you turn it on for two minutes, it does stimulation, and then it goes to expression, which is like longer, you know, to draw the milk out. So it's all about what's best for you. So your milk supply is established. If you have a medulla pump and you turn it on and it's stimulating and the milk's coming out, you push that button and skip the stimulation phase and go right to expression. When the milk stops, push that button again, start stimulating, the milk will come out again. Expression, like you can be done pumping in less than 10 minutes, like done. Okay, so it doesn't have to be an ordeal. No, not at all, not at all. And the cool thing about pumping in replace of a feed is that that won't cause any problems. It, we cause problems by like pumping after breastfeeding, and then, you know, then we, like you said, you know, then we're demanding more milk and then we get engorged and it's just like chain reaction. So 
the best thing to do is to not do anything crazy, not add any more work for you. Like use the pump to help you and do it at a time that is, you know, maybe you just want a little bit of a break because the cool thing is, is that breast milk's like a live food. One drop contains 1 million white blood cells. So it eats any bacteria that grows. So it's not like you need to pump and then use it within five minutes. Like you, it's good for hours. So you can pump, hand the milk off to whoever and be like, I'm going to go take a 30 minute shower (laughs) or I'm going to go hide in the bathroom and play on my phone. (laughs) Like whatever it takes to like get some sort of break and then you know your baby's fed and taken care of and it's like you know using that just to give yourself a little bit especially with two kids like I mean I we can't all I wanted to do is just stroll up and down the aisles of Target and just like check out and but when you have two kids like you're watching one you're taking care of the other like we don't get any mental breaks at all And that's, you know, that's when we get stressed out. So I'd say, you know, don't worry about it. Your milk supply is established. It's time to start introducing a bottle and like, and, and start loving it because that's the great thing about the time that we're at right now with these great pumps is that, you know, we have some freedom. It's not like it's World War II. And, you know, if you left for five minutes and your baby's hungry, there's nothing to do. Like you right. don't have to be there every single second. It's qual it's quality, not quantity, you know. And it, and for moms that do have to go back to work, like it's the same same thing. Quality, not quantity. If you have to pump half the time, great. If you're not making thirty two ounces of milk and you need to mix some of the breast milk with formula, that's great. The ultimate goal is to get your baby one teaspoon of breast milk as long as possible, especially right now because of the antibody. So every vaccine you've ever had, every cold, flu, everything you've ever been exposed to, those antibodies are in your milk and you're giving it to the baby. And that's there even if they get one teaspoon every 24 hours. So that's the ultimate goal. Like moms that come to me and, and I've had every situation I've had celebrities that are like, look, I have a a day nurse. I have a night nurse. Like I want to sleep seven hours like you know cool we can make everything work for your schedule but the thing is especially right now you know if a mom's like I only want to nurse for a month I would be like okay then take pump for 24 hours straight take that 32 ounces of milk and freeze it in tiny bags 32 ounces at one teaspoon that's a year of protecting that baby with the antibodies like, you know, fit that in somehow. It's, and again, especially right now, the antibodies are what kind of replace the baby's immune system. If you got diagnosed with cancer right now, you could get a prescription for pasteurized human breast milk because of all, there's still living white blood cells, even in pasteurized milk, but it's, and it's the antibodies. So it's, it's basically taking the most vulnerable baby and that breast milk, that very small amount, is replacing their immune system and, and protecting them. Yes, absolutely. And that's like the amazingness of breast milk. Totally. But, you know, these poor moms that, 
feel like they're failures if they can't, you know, we should be having kids when we're 16 and we're, we're not anymore. Like we deal with low milk supply and hormone issues. And, you know, there's definitely ways to boost your milk supply. And I talk about that in the book, but don't be so hard on yourself. Like just that, that's the ultimate goal is five cc's every 24 hours. You know, it's great if you can fully exclusively breastfeed. That's of course the best, but some is better than none. Oh yeah, absolutely. You said quality over quantity. I think that's such a good message to share with all moms and moms to be, or want to be moms, like for them to really know and consider, because I agree with you. So many feel like they are failing before they even begin. And I felt that way as well. Yeah. It's the mommy guilt. I mean, I, I worked, I always worked. I mean, I took time off right after the baby, but I always worked and every you know, other mom in my neighborhood was a stay at home mom. But I, when I was home from work, I was with my kids, like with my kids, I turned off my phone, like, and these stay at home moms, every time I saw them, they weren't even paying attention to their kids. They're on their phone. And it's like, right then I realized, you know, it's, we're, we're all different. We all have different situations, but it's, it's all about just being with them as much as we can during this precious time, because next thing you know, you're going to have teenagers and it's going to be a completely different world. You know, this time is so precious, but it's also so exhausting and separating all of the BS and just focusing on the nutrition, getting their brain, you know, development by the time that your kid hits kindergarten, you know, their, their brain is 90% completely developed. Yeah. So it's, it's really focusing on, you know, just love, hold me, feed me, love me, you know, for as long as you can snuggle, do whatever you can to do as much skin to skin. If you can breastfeed phenomenal. I mean, you're setting up this amazing foundation, this concrete foundation. So when they get older, you know, they're less likely to have behavioral issues, less likely to be hyperactive, you know, all of that because of what that foundation that you set up. Yeah. Oh my God. I, thank you for saying that. Cause as I'm like, obviously exhausted and going through it, hardcore, <laughs> it just makes you feel good to hear that one. Well, I wanted to know too, like with breastfeeding, like what are some of the best and worst foods that you can eat? Because I definitely have already noticed that Arlie is way more gassy than Amelia is. She burps like 12 times the amount that Amelia ever did. She poop explosion. She like her really? shoots. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She's a super gassy baby. Okay. So there, so the question I have for you is when did this gassiness start? Was it when she was first born or did you notice it after she was like three weeks old? No, it was from the get go. It probably got more okay. intense as she got a little bit older, but it was from the get go. So there's two different things that, are, that can happen. There's either a lactose intolerance, which would be this like formal kind milk thing you think about, or a true food protein intolerance. So the most common, it's a food protein intolerance. So all babies are born with leaky gut. So you hear about this like leaky gut syndrome with adults. So we're all born with a leaky gut it's like a porous rock. So it's designed for the antibodies, all the good things to go through the digestive tract right into the baby's bloodstream. So it's designed that way. But food proteins can pass through into the bloodstream 
and the body has, it's a non-immune reaction. So it's not a food allergy. It's a non-immune reaction to a food protein. So 80% of gassy, fussy babies are reacting to the cow's milk protein, either whey protein or casein protein. It's put in tons of foods that we don't realize, um, especially processed foods. But that's if, I'm, if I have a mom that's got a gassy, fussy baby, the, the first thing I would eliminate is dairy products. So we're talking, you know, you don't have to go too crazy. And if you looked online on what causes colic, like it, it starts with cow's milk and it ends with spices. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, spices, that's, that's really, you know, narrows it down. <laughs> so it's, it's starting with the statistics because it's so statistically, you know, common for it to be the cow's milk protein. That would be the first thing that I would eliminate. And if you go to soy, nuts is number two on the list. So if you really want to see if it's a food protein intolerance, um, I would switch just, just for 72 hours, not forever, just for 72 hours, switch to rice or the coconut, rice milk, coconut. There's tons of alternatives in terms of ice cream and creamers and all sorts of stuff and try that and see if it makes a difference. So all babies guts naturally seal, you know, is there any, can I ask you a question? <laughs> Any chance, is she still with you? Yeah, she's laying on me. Okay, can you feel behind her ears and tell me if there's any dry patch, if you feel dry, rough skin behind her ears? No. Okay, good. So eczema is something going on internally that's showing externally. So babies that truly have colic and truly have a food protein intolerance, they tend to have eczema. That's kind of the first place that we see it. Um... But in your case, if you're telling me that it started right in the beginning, that would be the less common thing, which is the lactose intolerance. So all breast milk contains lactose, but the more watered down milk is higher in lactose. So do you wake up in the morning super full? Mm, super full, like, like, like engorged? Yeah. I wouldn't say full-blowing gorge like with Amelia. I was like full-blowing gorge like in pain. I definitely wake up like still full and sometimes leaking, but not to the point of like engorgement pain. Okay. So if it's a lactose, since you're telling me that she start, this is kind of from the get-go and you're talking about the explosive watery poop. That sounds more like lactose. So what I would recommend for you is that first feed in the morning. That would be the one that I would pump in replace of breastfeeding because it's going to mix up all that fore milk and high milk. So just imagine when you fall asleep, you get a huge surge of prolactin. Your body says make milk. And when milk sits in your breast, it takes on water. So it gets more watered down. That's the milk that's going to cause the gassiness. But if you pump that milk out, it mix, mixes the four milk and the high milk. And that might be a game changer. So based on everything you're telling me, that would be my first recommendation is you want, you know, if you want to start doing a bottle anyway, we want you to do it before the baby's 12 weeks and starts refusing the bottle. Because if you need to go somewhere, you're going to have a nervous breakdown because she won't take a bottle. 
So I would take that first, very first feed in the morning, instead of putting her on the breast, I would pump in replace of breastfeeding and I would feed her with a bottle. The other benefit of that is, again, oxytocin. Oxytocin is a painkiller, the equivalent of morphine. You know, you don't give someone morphine and go dance. Like during the day, you want her to be awake. When do you want her to be sleepy? At night. So it's more important to put the baby on the physical breast when you want them to sleep. So it would be a great time to do a bottle first thing in the morning because that's when you want her to be awake because guess what? She doesn't get that oxytocin with the bottle, only when she's on the breast. Ah, okay, that's so interesting. So, so if it is this watered down formal chymel issue, if you started that tomorrow, you're going to see a huge change in her poop, in her gassiness, everything in just a couple days. Wow. If you don't see a change, then I would recommend uh, cutting out dairy products just for 72 hours and switching to either coconut or rice milk alternative. And again, you're going to see results quick within a couple of days. I mean, I've had so many moms call me after two days and just be like, you changed my life. Like, boom, it was that simple. Wow. So cool. So I guess my question is, okay, obviously, you know, at this stage of the game, like there's, like you said, a lot of clustering. There's a lot of like in the middle of the night, like waking up and nursing her and her going back to sleep. So like there are a lot of times where in the early mornings, like I won't even look at the clock and I'll just, you know, grab her from the bassinet next to me and just shove her on my boobs and kind of totally. go back to sleep, you know? Um, yes. And, and continue so, to do that. For sure. <laughs> you like, know, and like that way I get a little bit of sleep and that way she gets what she needs and she goes back to sleep. So you're not obviously talking about then you're talking about like when I actually like wake up, get up and like get going in the morning, like that's the time to pump. Yeah. I mean, there's, again, there's no perfect situation. Like the, how much does she weigh? If you don't mind me asking. To be honest, I don't know because <laughs> I, yeah, well, because so I, um, she's in one diapers to give you a range. Okay. Of, so she's, like, she's for sure 12 pounds. For sure. Yeah, she's I'm sorry. sure. Okay. Yeah. When she went to her last appointment, she was like right at about almost 11, but then we left because of all the crazy pandemic to go see family. So she hasn't had her next checkup yet. Okay. So the cool thing is it makes it a lot easier once a baby is that size. So once a baby hits 12 pounds, they need the same amount of food, whether they're 12 pounds or 25 pounds. It doesn't change. The amount of food that she needs is where it's at and it's going to stay that way. So it's 32 ounces of milk every 24 hours. So if you break that down to feeding eight times a day, that'd be four ounces per feed. So if she's cluster feeding um, or not eating eight times a day, like that's your goal is to get her 32 ounces of milk. She makes the least of the day and maybe sometimes 10 to 12, depending on the day. Okay. Awesome. So, you know, and again, you know, the whole sleep thing, you know, again, going back to the, the scientific evidence, like one five hour stretch is technically sleeping through the night. You know, babies aren't designed to sleep like older kids or adults, like one five hour stretch that is sleeping through the night. So, you know, it's just shifting the schedule for you. You know, if you want to sleep through the night and you want that five hour stretch to be from midnight to five in the morning, 
like that's when you do it, but that's sleeping through the night. So you modify your schedule to make her do what you want, but realizing that that is normal newborn behavior. They're going to nap a couple times and then they're going to do one five hour stretch. That's pretty much all you can expect. And it's going to be like that for a while. Okay. Got it. So if you pump, and this is what's so cool about it is, you know, if you pump, you're going to get more milk out. So you can even pump twice a day if you wanted to. You could do first thing in the morning and then you can do in the evening time. It's like use it to your advantage because the goal is for you to not burn out. Like I want you to do this as long as we're the only country that recommends one year. Like the, the World Health Organization recommends two years and then the average age for weaning in the world is five years old wow. in terms of breastfeeding. But we're, you know, it's totally different here. But the goal is to, is, it's like you're not in a sprint. You're in a marathon. So the goal is do whatever you need to do to make this comfortable and to keep going as long as you can. And if that's pumping twice a day so that she doesn't cluster feed and want to be on all the time and this, and you pump in the morning so she's not gassy, like you do what it takes to make your life easier and everything's going to work out. Okay. I, lo- I love that message. I think that's so great. Well, and then also too, like with Amelia, so I went 22 months with Amelia as, as hard as our journey was to start when she finally latched, when things somewhat evened out, even though it was so hard between everything we discussed, I fell so in love with it. And we became such a, you know, unique bond and just a unit of the way things went. I just, every time I was like, Oh, I'll go six months. Oh, I'll go eight months. Like I stayed went longer and longer because I love the bond and she was loving everything that was going on and we were just in such a great flow. And so I never thought I'd go to 22 months and she kind of self-weaned when I got to the second trimester with Arlie. And because your estrogen went up, your estrogen goes up and that reduces your prolactin. So it lowers your supply. Yeah. So that was like an automatic kind of nature way so let me let me guess she's probably a genius right even though she's <laughs> it's so funny young. she says that like and I'm always like oh but you know it's biased because it's my child like her my family members and like my husband's mom like says it and she like has 30 years in like child psychology and she's like no I'm telling you like she's advanced she's smart she's this she's that and I, I do feel that way but it's just funny hearing you say that no I totally I mean and it's so funny because I mean, that's the one thing that I want to instill. It's like you put in the work and it, and it pays off. I mean, every day I was breastfeeding, I was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Like second guessing everything. And, you know, it does pay off in the future because you, you laid down that amazing foundation and you gave like the, everything that, that she needed for her brain development, the DHA and ARA and all the stuff that's in the breast milk. I mean, that's, you're going to have a super, super smart kid and it's going to be a little more exhausting, but it'll all pay off in the long run. <laughs> I'm already seeing that with her toddler personality. It is just so, she's going to so be like, like no. so intense. Well, she'll, you watch, I mean, she's going to be like, no mom, you stay, even, I bet you a um, hundred bucks, even at like four, she's going to be like, no mom, you told me I could have a cookie. Yesterday morning, you told me I could have a cookie today at six. Like, <laughs> oh no. no. She's already like all the details. Like, it's like she doesn't forget. Like, she'll ask for something, and then my husband will like 
pretend like, you know, she didn't ask for it. And I'll be like, she's going to ask for it. And he's like, whatever, let's see. And then he'll be like, laying <laughs> on the couch. And then like 20 minutes later, she's like, dad, reason, reason. And he's like, oh my God. And I'm like, see, she forget. Like she just, yeah. she's so smart. She's so sassy. She knows so much, right? She puts words together so amazingly. Like she's really already trying to really do sentences. Like it's, it's wild. You sing one song to her, she picks it up in one shot. Like it's, it's pretty amazing to see the development. Yeah, but that, I mean, that is your hard work. It's so awesome. I'm so proud of you. I know how hard it is to go that long. Um, but again, you know, say there's a mom out there that's not able to breastfeed, snuggle. You know, there's formulas out there that are almost, you know, as close to breast milk as they could possibly get nowadays. It's a good time. And it's all about not just you know, the fact that it's breastfeeding, it's the whole act of it. It's the holding and the snuggling and the loving and all of that. It, it makes such a huge difference. But yeah, you did a great job. And I'm considering what you went through in the beginning, the fact that you persevered, like you are amazing. I just want you to know that. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm, I'm like all emotional over here. Obviously, as you said, our hormones are crazy, but thank you. <laughs> I, I really, really appreciate that. Well, and like going back to the food, like what would be some quick tips? And I know obviously you can get so many details in your book, but what would be some quick tips you would say as far as like, what are some really good eat, like things to eat and some bad things to eat or avoid when you are breastfeeding? So good things to eat are things high in DHA and ARA like the uh, omega-3. So um, salmon, canned tuna, chia seeds, flax seeds, um, those are great. That's for the baby's brain development because the baby gets more DHA. It gets into their bloodstream faster uh, if the mom consumes it, and then they get it through the breast milk, then a supplement. So um, in terms of brain development, DHA is the way to go. Um, if or, if you're working on boosting milk supply, um, again, prolactin is that hormone that controls your milk. It's naturally surged for two weeks and then it starts going down. You only get prolactin when you're with your baby. Um, so if you're away from your baby, your supply is going to go down even more. So um, the, in terms of, they're called galactagogues. It's like a fancy Greek word for more. There's uh, things that you can eat like, uh, steel cut oatmeal, um, good carbs, like uh, sweet potato, uh, baked potato. Oh, I had sweet so, potato last night for dinner. Perfect. Good carbs. And I've, I've helped like Olympic athletes that were training and, you know, you don't have to eat anything special. Your body's going to take away from you and still give your baby like the perfect food. You just have to avoid your body going into starvation mode. So if you want to work out and do, you know, extra activities, I would just eat some good carbs before you do it. Um, so the body takes from, from that. But, you know, the absolute worst thing that an, a breastfeeding mom can eat, especially if she's dealing with a gassy, fussy baby, is chocolate-covered almonds. Really? Because chocolate has the cow's milk protein and the nut protein. And then statistically, the, the number two cause of colic is nuts and especially almonds. So, um, you know, the, the absolute, if you're, if you're having a, a, you know, want a cookie or something, you'll see if you go down the cookie aisle and you look at the ingredients, 
95% contain either whey protein or casein protein. It's crazy. So um, I would say if you want something sweet, go for Oreos. Wow, that's like <laughs> shocking. Okay. Oreos do not have any uh, potential allergens. So that, that, that would be what I would recommend. How funny. <laughs> oh my God, because like Oreos are so not like good for you in so many other ways. <laughs> I know, but you know what? So I'm in funny. survival mode. Like, I used to make trays of chocolate chip cookies, like, just for the sugar and the hot, just to, like, stay awake. And then my son was colicky. I had no idea, you know what I mean, that chocolate was bad. Right. Um, so sometimes you just need some sugar. And, and you're burning 26 calories for every ounce of milk you make. So if you're making 32 ounces, you're burning almost 1,000 calories a day just sitting on your butt and breastfeeding or pumping. So you can allow yourself to have some Oreos. Like this is the time. <laughs> it's so true. Like you burn so many cal- Like I forget sometimes when I get exhausted, like, holy crap, I'm basically working out even though I'm not working out. <laughs> oh my God. Do you know how long it would take me in the gym to burn a thousand calories? That's all. I mean, I get, I get on that pre-core thing and I'm like dying. I'm like a hundred calories. Like what? Forget <laughs> it. I should just make myself relactate so I can pump right. it. Oh my God. Yeah. Someone should let you should invent something and make someone relactate. And then you'll be a millionaire and every woman will, that'll be their diet. will be like the straight up breastfeeding diet. <laughs> well, I already told, I mean, my son is 12 and I'm already like, oh, if you, by the way, don't worry. Like if you marry a girl that doesn't want to breastfeed, it's totally cool. Cause I'll just induce lactation myself and I'll breastfeed my grandchild. So everything will be fine. <laughs> everything will be fine no worries I got this handled oh my god I can't I mean my kids are totally desensitized like you know half the pictures on my phone are of boobs like infected boobs yeah it's like they they just (laughs) and I remember oh like they 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 just know it like know it all and they like aren't like weird out by it and they like know what it is and they're gonna have all the help in the world when they go down that road like that's just so freaking rad which brings me to your smart parents guide to breastfeeding book. Tell us why we have to get this book and like why you need this as your like must have like at your shower gift before you even like get to breastfeeding. Totally. So I wanted to make it so that everybody could have it. So the digital version to download is $3.95. It's like so inexpensive. I feel like everyone should have it. If you want the nice hard copy, it's a little bit more expensive, but it's cheaper than a doctor's appointment. Like having the information, because again, when you have problems, it's going to be on a weekend. It's going to be at night. And, you know, if you do go on the internet, there's so many opinions and blogs and do this and this worked for me, but it's dripping through that and looking at evidence-based research. Like this is what the evidence says. This is what it could potentially be, just like we talked about. And it's more, I function more like a physician where it's like evidence-based practice in terms of lactation. So if this is the problem and it's broken down into sections, tells you what to focus on. Um, and if you do have problems and it, it tells you like what the symptoms would be and kind of how to fix it and empower you so that you can start making changes even before you get a hold of your doctor. Yes, that's so great. So before I let you go, Jennifer, thank you so much for like just so much empowerment and like amazing tips and resources, like just 
I think this is like, especially being obviously, you know, National Breastfeeding Month and when we're recording like World Breastfeeding Week, like I just think this is so powerful and such a great message for so many moms and moms to be. But like, what would be like the three things if you could kind of sum it up that you'd want us to take away when it comes to breastfeeding? So I would say focus on the first two weeks. That's the most difficult. If you make it past the first two weeks, you have a very good chance for success. Um, second would be, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing decision. You know, get your baby at least that teaspoon every 24 hours, and that is going to protect them with all of the antibodies that are available in the milk. Um, and third would be get everybody on board if you can with your decision, because if you have a baby and you start having a meltdown, everybody wants to fix it, especially your partner. They want to fix the problem. And that's kind of going to be the first thing that they want to eliminate. Like, let me take that over. And it, it's really standing around and like, this is what I want. You know, don't, you need to be my cheerleader, not try to take it over and fix it. Like, this is going to be tough and build that support system, whether it's friends or family or your partner, like get everybody together to, to, to cheer you on. Such a good freaking point. Cause my mom, like, <laughs> on the bear that she is, was just like, just get formula. Stop making yourself so crazy. Yeah. I hate seeing you like this. And it was like, I understood the love for me and like how much she just wanted me to be okay. But like, yeah. it was just so not what I needed in that moment when I wanted to keep powering through and just keep going. And thank goodness, like my husband's mom breastfed both of her, you know, kids from the get go and like went over a year. And so she understood what I had, you know, was going through. And she also had a C-section, whereas my mom had only had three vaginal births. So it was just very different. And so like, his mom and the hard part is is that was out of love like oh i know that's what i said your mom like is trying mama bear she wanted to take care of me totally totally 100 percent. yeah and i totally see it like now with having my two girls like you are literally just like mama bear and you're like what can i do to fix everything how can i love on you more like it's just it's such a you know natural reaction and so i don't fault her for it but like in in the moment i was just like oh my god please just tell me i can get through it and i'm going to persevere and i don't need formula and all these things because that's not what i want and justin's mom because she had been through it and had gone through a c-section and everything and still nurse both times like she was able to be like you can do it it's gonna be hard but you can power through and like thank goodness to your point of like that point is that I did have that cheerleading on that side besides the let me fix it let me fix it because I definitely think that's such a good point that like nobody talks about well I mean if you look at the statistics it's ridiculous like especially in California, you know, a good 90% of women start breastfeeding in the hospital. And then by the time they go into their six month appointment, it, it's staggering. I mean, the, the breastfeeding rates go down by 80%. Why? Why? Because of that. So it's building that support system. And again, you know, reach out, find other moms too. Like we forget, we forget if we, you know, didn't forget as humans, we wouldn't fall in love more than once. You know what I mean? We forget the hard times. Like sometimes you need to talk to somebody that's in it right at that moment that mm-hmm. gets it because it's so true with everything. Yeah, that's so true. And like my mom this time around, like 
she like was so supportive of like you know me nursing and knew how important it was to me with like Arlie. So when we just saw her when she met her finally, you know, with everything going on in the pandemic, and we went and saw her, like she every time she noticed that she was clustering or she was acting off, she's like, oh, I think she has to nurse. Oh, I think you know, did you did you have your milk come in? Like she was so much more aware of it because she had also learned from everything I had gone through with Amelia, and like that was so supportive for me this time around. Absolutely. Oh, I can hear the baby. Oh, you hear her? I know she's waking up. She hears everything. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for all the incredible, like, just tips and information. And I'm so stoked. I've already started, like, digging into your book. I have it right here next to me. And I, I just, like, I love your passion and everything for breastfeeding as I'm super passionate about it as well. Tell my listeners where they can follow you, find you, stalk you, all that good stuff. So everything's on my website. It's smartbabylearning.com. Um, and there's links to the book, book downloads, uh, you know, appearances I've done, articles. I'm on Dr. Oz's website right now. So, um, and then all the social media and stuff too. So it's all at smartbabylearning.com. Amazing. And if like, if they were going to just like Google and like find you on Instagram, is it your name or the smart baby learning? Uh, yeah, it's Jennifer Ritchie. Um, it's just my last name. It's spelled the English way. It's R-I-T-C-H-I-E. Perfect. So Jennifer Ritchie. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on. And until next time, guys, cheers. Bye.